Hey, it's the Weather Channel Podcast. This is Ari. I'm here with a good buddy of mine, Bob Henson. He might just be the best darn meteorologist that works for the Weather Channel. This guy is an absolute fountain of knowledge. And speaking of fountains, we're going to be talking about atmospheric rivers today and this relatively new scale that has come out. If you live in the West, you've probably heard this term more often than if you live in the East. That's because, you know, these are weather setups that generally affect the West a lot more, okay? And I'm going to let Bob get into this in a little bit more detail, but... But the general idea is it's just a lot of moisture in the air that's above our heads, all right? So way up high in the atmosphere, there's a lot of moisture in that air, and it comes in off of the Pacific, and it can point directly at certain spots, like especially on the West Coast in California, you know, sometimes up in Oregon or Washington. And, you know, lately this term, atmospheric river or maybe the Pineapple Express, as you've heard it called at times, just, I guess, one kind of an atmospheric river. You know, it's become a little bit more of a buzzword, kind of like the polar vortex. It's like one of these things that it's always been around, but now, like, the general public is using the term a little bit more. What exactly is an atmospheric river? Well, thanks, Arya. That's a really good way to put it, because uh, phenomena like the polar vortex and atmospheric river have always been around. Uh, It's just sometimes uh, meteorologists will investigate a phenomenon a little bit more and realize, oh, this is really something important and it might be good for uh, public stakeholders, you know, emergency managers to know a little bit more about it. So uh, that's one route by which terms like this can can get more popularized. So atmospheric river is a way to describe a channel of moisture, as you were saying, in the atmosphere. Uh, Typically, it's kind of the lower part of the atmosphere, meaning, say, up to a couple of miles high, so the lowest 10,000 feet or so. And it's a channel of moisture and typically flowing from lower latitudes to higher latitudes. So uh, you mentioned the Pineapple Express. That's a perfect example of an atmospheric river uh, flowing from kind of the vicinity of Hawaii, which is where it gets the name, uh, barreling uh, thousands of miles across the eastern Pacific and then slamming into the West Coast, uh, especially California. Yeah, Yeah, atmospheric rivers, I mean, they can be beneficial sometimes and they can also be dangerous sometimes because, you know, they end up causing flooding and excessive snowpack that can lead to flooding down the line and all that kind of stuff. How often do we see these events where they are bad? So what makes a good atmospheric river go bad, in other words? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, they happen a lot. You know, there's um, typically several dozen atmospheric rivers in a typical California winter. Now, now you might ask, is there such a thing as a typical California winter? Because especially in recent years, they've they really whipsawed between very wet winters and then occasionally very dry ones and uh, drought and deluge. But um, uh, in a, you know, moderately wet year, they'll get several dozen of these. Now, only a few of them are really serious. And the funny thing is, they get a, a, a ton of their annual moisture just on these few days a year when they have the fairly big atmospheric rivers. So uh, even the strong ones have some good sides. You know, they'll dump a lot of snow in, say, the Sierra, and then that can melt off and provide, uh, you know, uh, runoff for agriculture in the spring and drinking water in the summer. So uh, atmospheric rivers are by no means all bad, but uh, they can be pretty catastrophic if they strike the wrong spot or are just too intense and there's no place for the water to go. You know, the thing that I found the most fascinating about this uh, relatively new scale that has come out is that it factors in how beneficial the atmospheric river is. You don't see that with other scales, really. Like, you look at the Fujita scale for tornado damage. You look at the Saffir-Simpson scale for how bad a hurricane's going to be. And, you know, a, a Category 3 hurricane, it doesn't say, you know, a little bit beneficial, but mostly catastrophic. You know, you see with yeah. this scale, maybe, let's let's explain the scale first in more detail. 
Okay, sure. So the new scale, it, it has echoes of the familiar Stafford-Simpson scale, uh, category one to category five hurricanes that we all know about. So in this case, it's called ARCAT to distinguish it. So AR being atmospheric river. So the, an ARCAT one is a weak atmospheric river and actually called mostly beneficial. Uh, an ARCAT five is the most intense atmospheric river and mostly destructive. And the ones in between are, are couched that way. For example, like an ARCAT 3 is uh, partially beneficial, partially destructive. And I really think that is an interesting way to, to analyze it and important because uh, you could almost do the same thing with hurricanes. You know, um, uh, the southeast gets a lot of its uh, summer rainfall with tropical cyclones. And, you know, a weak hurricane can actually have some real benefits. If it's been drought-stricken in Georgia, for example, uh, you get a, a weak a tropical storm that dumps a lot of rain. That's a good thing, by and large. So, so who made this scale? And is it official? Is it like the Weather Service issuing these? Or who made it? Yeah, who came up with this thing anyway? <laughs> uh, well, it was led by a guy named Marty Ralph, who is based at Scripps Institution of Oceanography in La Jolla, California, just north of San Diego. So Marty has been studying these things for quite a while. It was about 20 years ago that the first paper talking about atmospheric rivers came out. At that point, it was kind of a, a, a new concept to describe these channels of moisture. And I should point out that they, they aren't just California. They affect a lot of different parts of the world. But California is where the research is really focused uh, over the last 20 years. So Marty has been one of the leaders in this. And he, working with uh, colleagues and also with forecasters to the Weather Service, they decided it might be useful to come up with the scale. So they published the scale just in the last month in the Bulletin of the American Meteorological Society. But it is not official yet. They, they want to get input. They want to kind of play around with it. So putting it out there in the literature is a way to kind of say, here's the scale. You know, what do you all think? Um, but we're not going to make it official yet. How long have we been using it? Because I feel like the general public doesn't really know about it all that much. In fact, I didn't even know about it until this last event that we had in mid-February when all of a sudden, um, you know, I, there was some literature out on it. And some of my bosses were like, hey, let's make sure to mention this scale. I'm like, what scale? I don't even know about this scale. I better go research it. So how long has it been uh, in use? It is brand new. As it's constructed now, the scale has only been out there uh, in the public eye for a couple of weeks, really. It's, um, you know, was, it's been iterated a little bit. It was an early version came out about three years ago, and this center at Scripps uh, that has been working on it uh, played around with that. The difference is that first version only looked at the amount of water flowing through the river over any one point. And the, the technical term for that is integrated water vapor. But it's really just an analog for the flow rate in a river. You know, there's a cubic feet per second if we're talking about a river running over land. And this is called IVT, and it's, it's kind of the same variable. It's how, how many kilograms of water vapor are going across kind of an imaginary threshold every second. And so a couple of years ago, they were using this preliminary scale just to look at how much or how, how rapid is that flow of water. But then they realized what really makes a difference is not uh, the, the strength of the flow, but also how long is it flowing over a particular spot, you know, like San Diego or L.A. or San Francisco. So the new scale incorporates the strength of the flow of water and its duration and where it's happening. So this is one critical difference. You know, a hurricane has a, a cat rating, right? It's a cat five, and that's based on the strongest wind. But an AR has a different rating at every point. So it gets complicated. <laughs> so maybe let's explain to people a little bit about 
like what what is this whole idea of precipitable water this water that's above our heads somehow and you know why can you have situations where there is a bunch of water above our heads but it doesn't fall as rain and you know all these and maybe get into that a little bit so if we didn't have moisture in the atmosphere we just wouldn't get rain right you've got to have that stuff up there and water vapor is pretty much invisible now if it's really humid out it can get hazy because some of that moisture is condensing onto say salt in the air you know you've been to the ocean when it's pretty clear but the sky has this milky quality that's just because there's a ton of moisture in the air and if you imagine squeezing just imagine a, a giant foot in the sky squeezing down on all that moisture and squeezing it out and that foot extending all the way from the sky to the ground uh, when we talk about precipitable water, it's what's underneath that foot when it gets to the ground. It's how much water it's squeezed out. And that's um, in a really moist atmosphere, that might be an inch or even two inches of water. Um, but it can rain more than that because a storm system will concentrate that water in a smaller area. So how much water are we talking here? I've, I've seen some comparisons being made. You think about the ridiculous amount of water that's in something like the Amazon River, right? It's just this mm-hmm. massive river that goes on forever, it seems like. And in, sometimes in these atmospheric rivers, it's basically just like kind of a river above our heads that has just, I can't remember what the number was, like way more than the Amazon River, right? Yeah, I know that it's hard to wrap your brain around mind blowing that that you've got essentially a couple of Amazons flowing into California during one of these events. And the the reason you don't see this, um, you know, onslaught of water over your heads like you would a real Amazon is because it's it's diluted within the atmosphere over a broader region. So instead of the Amazon being maybe a mile or two wide, wherever it is that wide, it's we're talking more like two, three hundred miles wide. And instead of being maybe a few hundred feet deep, it's more like two miles deep. So it's a river. It's just a big river. When you think about it, I guess, you know, you look down at a map. When, when you're down next to the Amazon River, I'm sure, you know, it looks absolutely massive. But when you look down from a map, you know, from like a satellite or something, it's just this tiny little skinny thing that goes for a little while. And you look at an atmospheric river, that's a big chunk of, you know, real estate that that thing's taking up. So I guess it could be diluted yeah. over that big of an area and still have a lot more water yeah. than the Amazon. I find that pretty interesting. So... Okay, let's talk about specifically this recent atmospheric river event that we had. Uh, what was it? About mid-February, I suppose, around Valentine's Day, something like that, right? Yep, the Valentine's Day atmosphere. Group. Yes. So this thing was, this is another thing with the scale that I find kind of interesting. It may be a little bit confusing, and maybe you can kind of, um, you know, make it seem a little bit more simple for me, but these things are rated in different areas. It, it could be for like one county, right? Like, so it was, it was a category four, um, AR category four atmospheric river in San Diego County, but it was like a category two somewhere farther to the North. Is that the case? That's absolutely it. Um, basically where you had the river most focused and where the, there was the most water in the air and it lasted the longest. That's where the AR rating was the highest. So, yep, San Diego County was four. If you go up the coast a little further, it was more like a three. Um, so the analogy you could think of is a tornado, right? You know, let's say you have an F5 tornado that hits uh, a town in Oklahoma where I grew up. <laughs> so it's an F5 or an F4. Let's call, it, let's call it an F5. And let's say it was a mile wide. Well, you're not going to have F5 damage at every point in that track. Uh, it might even be, say, it's a 10-mile-long tornado, but there were only three or four blocks where you had F5 damage. Well, we still call the whole tornado an F5, EF5, rather. Um, 
and that's just the convention we use, right? We label the whole tornado by the, the peak damage. Likewise, the hurricanes, you know, a, a Cat 5 hurricane is not going to have Cat 5 winds everywhere it is. It's just that's the maximum wind in the middle of it. So likewise, with an AR, there's going to be one spot that has the highest AR cat value. But we'll, sometimes I, I have a feeling we're going to be using that value to describe the whole, the whole atmospheric river. Like we'll say the Valentine's Day 2019 AR in California was a Cat 4. Yeah. Even I, though it was only San Diego that had the Cat 4 experience. I know. I know. I, I was going to ask you that because I don't live in the West. I've never lived in the West. And I'm curious for the people that have actually been kind of using this a little bit over the last couple of weeks just for this little bit of time whether you know they're referring to it as that now it I, it's another interesting point to bring up that i think it's it's kind of different looking back on it and referring to it than when you're forecasting it right so yeah, like yeah. with with uh the fujita scale that a tornado you can't look at a tornado while it's in progress and say that's an oh there's an f4 tornado coming at this town you know they go and they rate the damage after it's happened well after it's happened sometimes it takes several days sometimes weeks um, and then they'll say, okay, there was a little bit of F4 damage here. It was mostly F2. And then we'll say this was an F4 tornado. I'm very mm-hmm. curious to see if it's going to end up like that with these atmospheric river events. And I'm also curious when they're actually going on or while they're being forecast, you know, if you live up in, um, you know, say parts of uh, the North California coast, there's, let's say the Bay Area. Say you live in the Bay Area and this thing is being rated an AR4 AR Cat 4. <laughs> I'm going to get used to this. Don't worry. It's going to take me yeah, a little while. Yeah, very good. Cat 4. It's going to take it's it's being uh, rated an AR Cat 4 in San Diego County, but I live in the Bay Area. Are is the buzz going to be like, "Hey, there's a Cat 4 coming in" or whatever, you know? That's a really really good question, and I think it's going to come down to uh, the acceptance of the scale and how quickly it percolates from the research center into um, weather service offices, and that'll probably be a little bit more formal process. You know, you might see forecasters mentioning it in, in the discussions that are aimed at the, uh, the key people who use the forecasts. And then, um, you know, broadcasters will use it to a greater or lesser extent. We're in a period now where it's going to be like a, a real-time testing, right? They, they haven't done social science on it yet. They haven't put people in a room and asked them, you know, what do you think when you hear AR Cat 5s? Now, when they're coming up with a rating for the atmospheric river, do they take into account things like burn scars? Nope, they don't explicitly. So the, the AR rating is just, you know, what is this, you know, freight train of moisture and how long is it going to last and how strong is it? A critical thing is what is it going to interact with, right? Is it going to run headlong into a mountain range? Hitting that wall of mountain is going to squeeze out the moisture uh, because it's forced upward. That lift makes the water condense. So, Yeah, I, I think this is interesting and maybe a little problematic. I don't know. I mean, obviously, we got some things to iron out you know, before all is said and done, but... Are you happy with the scale so far, the way it's been rolled out? I mean, obviously, we've got some time to go. It'll probably be tweaked a little bit. Like, if Is there anything that you see right now that you would uh, maybe make a change to here or there? Well, I, you know, personally, I'd love to see social science going into scales like this. And, uh, uh, you know, it would have been great if we had, had had, you know, some earlier in the process. But I think now is still a good time to do that. I think the, the goal of Marty Ralph and the other folks behind it is really to get it out there in part to raise awareness that these events are are both good and bad. They're both beneficial and destructive. And that's how California gets a lot of its moisture. What do you think? 
I think I think it needs a few adjustments, probably. You know, I mean, when you have something like the Saffir-Simpson scale, you know what it is. It's basically telling you, I mean, obviously, that's something that I think could use some adjustments as well. But it's also, you know, it's also important for people to remember, too, I think, that not every long-lasting heavy rain event is from an atmospheric river. And if you've got enough moisture around and you've got a catalyst to make the air rise a little bit, you're going to get rain. That's pretty much the end of the story there, I suppose. Did we miss anything? Was there anything else you wanted to... Uh, just, uh, I think the main thing to remember is if you hear AR cat or an AR cat three or five, just remember that's atmospheric rivers. It's not a hurricane heading for California. Right, exactly. Okay, so let's do another one soon on... I saw a great talk from Roger Wakimoto uh, a couple of years ago in Huntsville. And man, he was a guy that studied with Ted Fujita, and there's a lot of really great stuff to get into. So stay tuned for that one. Let's do that one next, Bob. I'm just, I'm officially declaring it right now. That's the next podcast that we're doing. I'm there. Hey, tornadoes, I'll, I'll talk about tornadoes till the cows come home or till they fly, right? You and me, exactly. Okay, Bob, have a great rest of your day. Thanks for hanging out with me for a couple of minutes. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you know, if you did like it, give it a good rating. It always helps us out a little bit. And you can find us on all those, you know, apps that you listen to podcasts on. All right, Bob. Thanks again. We'll see you back here next time on the Weather Channel Podcast.